actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? And the, the stuff about me paddleboarding, nonsense. The sea was actually closed. It was a, a red notice. When Kermit the Frog, Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. You remember that one? Russia should go away, should shut up. And try that's in December, I'll be in Beijing, opening up new pork markets. Like seriously, what the fuck? Hi, it's me, Jennifer Wan, and this is what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business. As usual, there's been a lot going on quite a lot. It's been a bit of a mad one. And we're going to go through all of it, you and me, together on this wonderful little Sunday. Well, it's Sunday as I'm recording it, but you might be listening on a different day and that's okay too. So get ready, get prepared and let's go. So... Let's talk Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. He has had quite the week. Um, <laughs> so his ethics advisor, Lord Geit, I hope I pronounced that right. Now, listen, I went to YouTube and I looked up his name to see if I could find a clip of somebody else saying it to make sure I said it right and I'm not the only one it appears because one of the suggested searches was Lord Guy pronunciation so I'm just I'm just saying it's not just me that's a dumb bitch anyways so he resigned as the prime minister's ethics advisor he said that the reason that he resigned was because he was put in an odious position when he was asked to provide advice on deliberate breaching of the ministerial code and he was asked to approve of that I think he definitely did the right thing to resign although I mean ethics advisor to Boris Johnson just kind of seems a bit like an oxymoron of a job um but okay <laughs> he was he was trying his best and he couldn't do it no more because Boris Johnson has no ethics, really, does he? Um, so he has resigned. He's gone. Boris Johnson is apparently now considering whether he still needs an independent ethics advisor. So you remember all that stuff after the Sue Gray report, after he got fined by the police and all of that nonsense about, I've changed, things are going to change, I'm going to be a really good prime minister from now on. It's obviously all nonsense, isn't it? It's obvious nonsense because he's now like, oh, well, do I really need an ethics advisor? Do I actually need someone to make sure I do the right thing? No, I'm sure that my judgment can be trusted. No, it can't, Boris. No, it fucking can't. You literally cannot be trusted with anything at all. And this was uh, kind of demonstrated by a, <laughs> a story that flew in and then flew right back out. And we don't know why. Um, <laughs> so there was 
uh, a story that was reported in the Times. It was then kind of briefly reported in the Mail. And then some American outlets picked it up. And then suddenly, gone. Vanished. All of them. Just gone. And nobody, nobody really knows why that is. There's a lot of speculation about things like injunctions and like editors being threatened and stuff like that. We don't have a full explanation as to why that is. But um, a, a journalist I follow, um, who I think is pretty cool and he's pretty smart, uh, Mick Wright, he actually said that if the if the government, if Downing Street have tried to push this story away so that people can't see it, it's kind of had the opposite effect because now everybody is talking about it. And I very much agree with him on that. Um, so we don't know why this story is disappearing from outlets, but it's all over Twitter, so who cares? <laughs> um, I'm going to start by saying allegedly because just in case, you know, um, because Boris Johnson can always find plenty of other people's money to use and he might try and use that to sue me. So I'm being careful. So according to this story that was previously published, allegedly Boris Johnson tried to give his now wife, Carrie Johnson, a top job in the foreign office while they were having an affair. Now, <sighs> Carrie Carrie Johnson's lack of taste um, is not my business, I guess. Um, if she wants to sleep with that, well, okay. I personally wouldn't, obviously. But, I, do you know, I was talking to some people about this the other day and I was just, I was like, what? What, what do people see in him? We know now that actually he's not particularly wealthy because he's been cleaned out in multiple divorces. So it can't be that. His power is fleeting, probably because he's a fucking idiot, you know, and he, he doesn't know what to do with it when he's got it. And he's certainly not, you know, he's not an attractive man. So what is it? What is it? I, I don't know. But you know what? That's her business, whatever. They were having an affair. Um... So, according to this story, they were having an affair while Boris Johnson was still married to his previous wife, Marina Wheeler, who absolutely destroyed him when she divorced him, and good for her. Um, so, Carrie and Boris having an affair, and... <laughs> and apparently, Boris Johnson... Boris Johnson tried to secure a top job at the Foreign Office for her um, as Chief of Staff, but had to be warned by some of his allies that doing so would be a huge scandal um, and that it would have it would have looked terrible for them to do. The role would have been taxpayer funded. She would have been earning around a hundred thousand pounds. Um, and it was basically he had to be talked down from it and told, no, you absolutely cannot and should not do this, you fucking idiot. Um, I'm not surprised. So apparently this all took place when he was the foreign secretary, which is why it's a job at the foreign office. 
he wanted her to be his chief of staff, allegedly. Um, and he had to be talked down and told, no, you can't do this. So this is even before he becomes the prime minister. His entitlement and wild ego are, are so huge so wild and out of control that he thinks he can get away with this kind of stuff <laughs> even back then oh my god um so a source said allegedly apparently an illicit relationship with carrie was none of our business okay making her chief of staff was definitely our business our job was to protect him he kept saying she would be great in the job. We knew what was going on between them and that it was an insane risk to him to let him do it. <laughs> Girl. Um, I mean... Well, there we are. Sometimes I really do think that <laughs> that the Prime Minister is not stupid. He's just very manipulative. But then stuff like this happens and I think, ah, I don't know, maybe there's a bit of stupidity there. Um, the, the fact that he wouldn't think that it would play incredibly badly to have the woman he was having an affair with get a huge opportunity despite her not really having the experience or or the 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 skill set to do it i mean look carrie johnson i'm not one of those people that because i don't like the conservative party is willing to say that carrie johnson has no skills and she's useless and blah 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 i feel like a lot of that comes from misogyny by the way um but what i will say is this carrie johnson's previous employment and her skill set was was in communications um as far as we can tell, she didn't really have experience doing the kind of things that she would have been doing in this job as chief of staff. She didn't really have the experience. Um, as far as we can tell, I, I, I don't think she had much experience in foreign affairs. So, of course, she's not qualified for this job. And yet he was just going to give it to her because? Honey, no. No. <laughs> no anyway so that story is just it pops up it disappears um <laughs> girl girl somewhere marina wheeler is just smiling because she's out of it she doesn't have to deal with it it's gone not her problem anymore um boris however has plenty of problems um so we've got some by-elections coming up on the way um got one in Tiverton and Honiton and the candidate Helen Herford seems deeply embarrassed to be standing for a party led by Boris Johnson. She was uh, booed and jeered at a event where she was speaking and engaging with potential voters um, she was asked about Boris Johnson's conduct and she said, I have no concerns that his pledges are honest and was then massively booed by the crowd. She has also put out what I think, frankly, is dishonest and manipulative campaign material. Now, I'm aware that this kind of material is becoming more and more common in UK politics. I know this. I just don't like it. 
Um, just because something's becoming more normal, that doesn't mean we have to be okay with it. And I'm not fucking okay with this. Um, so she's put out, uh, it's a leaflet, but it's kind of dressed up as a magazine. Um, it's called Devon's Choice. None of it, none of it mentions she's a Tory, by the way. <laughs> um so let's have a look there's a, a cover she's smiling and she's meeting someone it says local mum set to be next mp with a question mark uh former head teacher with a plan to make a difference helen herford on more investments safer streets and better roads our view on the by-election why we're backing helen herford so this this has been drawn up as if it's like a local magazine um, that just so happens to have picked and endorsed her as the candidate they want to support. When in actual fact, it's it's not a magazine, it's fake. It's a campaign leaflet from her that she's pretending is some kind of like local paper or local magazine. It's really fucking dishonest. Um, and frankly, I do believe that candidates should either stand proudly with their party and be honest with voters and say, hello, I'm the candidate for this party. And these are our policies and this is what I stand for. And if you like that, please vote for me and take the consequences. Or they shouldn't stand for a party that they're clearly embarrassed about. You shouldn't try and deceive people and manipulate them and lie to them and trick them. And that's exactly what she's doing here. Because this this campaign material is it, it goes out of its way to try and hide the fact that she is a candidate for the Conservative and Unionist Party. It's fucking dishonest. It's disgusting. I'm sorry, but it is. She also, one of her leaflets that she put out, um, <laughs> more dishonesty, uh, it's, it's in the colours of the Liberal Democrats. It's basically a targeted ad trashing the Liberal Democrats, but it's it's dressed up to look like it's a Liberal Democrat campaign leaflet which again, dishonest, manipulative, disgusting. Um, she's doing everything she can to try and distance herself from Boris Johnson. And I mean, I understand that. Nobody wants to be associated with him. But if you didn't want to be associated with him, why are you standing for the party that he leads? Why? What for? What was the reason? Fucking stupid. Anyway, what else has Boris been up to? What what else is going on in the <laughs> trials and tribulations of Boris Johnson? Well, Boris Johnson had a little holiday this week. He went on a little trip. Um, he went to uh, St. Ives for a little holiday uh, with Carrie and the kids. He was pictured on the beach. I mean, I don't know if... <laughs> If this was intentional, but one of the pictures on the beach of him looks hilarious. He's he's walking down there. He's got like a shirt on and some shorts and he's carrying a little spade and he just kind of looks like sad. And there's like a seagull in the foreground who looks like they're living their best life, which I love. Um, It's just, <laughs> just low key comical um but yeah boris went on a little holiday uh he went to the beach with his family okay i have no real problem with that um you know everybody deserves some time off whatever um but what's interesting is that there's a lot he could have been doing 
he could have been working on this fucking ethics, but he's not going to do that. Um, he could have been campaigning for the many by-elections that the, <laughs> that the, <laughs> the government has to face, and he's not doing that. He could be doing something about the rail strikes. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. And again, he's not doing that. He's just, he's just fucking going to the beach and looking depressed with a spade. Okay, mate. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know where else he went? He went to Ukraine. <laughs> he went to Ukraine. He went to Ukraine. Um, so there was a group of European leaders, actually, that, that all went to Ukraine to support President Zelensky um, and to meet to discuss uh, the next steps in supporting and helping Ukraine. Now, I have no problem with our prime minister meeting with President Zelensky. However, if that's going to happen, I want to see results. I don't want to see, you know pictures of Boris looking goofy or smiling and shaking hands. I want actual results to come from it. I don't want it to be a wasted trip. I don't, frankly, I don't want him to be over there bothering Zelensky when Zelensky's literally trying to push back an invasion. If you're going to go over there to Ukraine, go with something useful. Fucking help them. Don't just show up, get your picture taken and fuck off. Um, so I, I'm hoping that we can actually see some actual results, some actual help and support for the people of Ukraine. Um, hey, maybe let's get the, uh, the visas waived like every other country is doing. Why don't we do that? Um, why don't we look at more aid that we can send over to Ukraine, more support? Like, let's figure something out, Boris. Let's not just go and get our fucking photo taken. Um, but you know who was pissed about this? <laughs> The Northern Research Group, which is a, a little group within the Conservative Party um, of MPs from the north of England. Um, they were having a Northern Research Group conference uh, and Boris Johnson was booked to make an appearance to show support to some of his MPs who feel a little bit abandoned, I guess. And he ditched them to go to Ukraine and they were really pissed off. Oh dear. Um, so apparently um, MPs at the Northern Research Group conference were told that Boris Johnson was on the train to Doncaster to meet them and then he just didn't show up. Like the next thing they knew they got a news alert saying he was in Ukraine and they were like Ukraine is not in Doncaster bro. Amazing. So an anonymous MP that was really pissed and, and feeling the rage said, this is the first test of outreach to his colleagues and he's failed it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, had something to say about this on Twitter. Now, I'm just going to go through what he said, um, but I want to point out that he spelled Ukraine wrong several times for no reason. Like, I don't I don't really know how or why, um, especially as because it's it's a country name. Right. Your phone will autocorrect it for you if you spelt it wrong. So I don't know why he ignored the autocorrect and thought he knew better, but he did. Uh, so he said. So there is a lot of rubbish being spouted about the PM's trip to Ukraine. Spelled incorrectly. Firstly, these trips are organised in total secrecy. Very few, and I mean very few people, know the dates and arrangements. Russia is still launching missile strikes across Ukraine. Again, Ukraine spelled incorrectly. Now, I have no problem with um, 
with the prime minister having to organize these trips in secret for security reasons that's absolutely fine and it's completely understandable um of course you know he can't make massive announcements and say hey guys hi it's me boris johnson the prime minister i'm gonna be in ukraine on this date at this time at this location see you there for a meet and greet because that would be stupid that would be ridiculous like that's just asking for a missile strike like duh however if if these trips are organised in total secrecy, right? At the very least, Boris Johnson is going to know when it is, right? Well, then why was he booking other events? It's not hard to just say, oh, I'm really sorry, guys. I can't make this because I have another thing that day. And tell people ahead of time rather than leading them to believe you're going to be there and then just not showing up. Like, that's, that's a bit stupid. Uh, so he said... Visits are sometimes necessary in person because not everything can be discussed securely over phones, etc. Russia has an aggressive electronic warfare and signal intelligence operation. Okay, but again, I don't think anybody is seriously saying that it's wrong of the Prime Minister to go to Ukraine. That's fine. I think, you know, some of his MPs were just pissed because he didn't tell them he wasn't going to show up. They all thought he was and he didn't. Like, I feel like you're, you're, you're defending him on the wrong thing here, Ben. Like, just saying. Um, the timings of such visits are usually a matter for the host, but I know the PM wanted to visit before NATO leaders summit in 10 days time. As a Northern MP myself, I'm not affronted by the fact he had to cancel speaking at the conference. The PM can remedy that in many ways. However, taking the opportunity to visit a country and ally at war to ensure we are doing everything we can to help is also important. As a Northern MP, I am proud that Britain has been at the forefront of the international effort to support Ukraine. Again, Ukraine spelled incorrectly. Helping Ukraine... <laughs> spelled incorrectly, win and trying to help at home are linked. Part of the inflation we see comes from gas and food prices, which are partly driven upwards because of this conflict. Amazing how an important trip can generate so much conspiracy bollocks. Honey, look, I just... He can go to Ukraine, that's fine. Nobody's mad that he went to Ukraine. I think... You know, it just, it would have been better had he just let people know. Like, even if it was, like, when he had got to Ukraine, he just sent a quick email saying, I'm really sorry, I couldn't be there. Something's come up, had to go to Ukraine. We'll catch up when I get back. Or just something, you know, rather than just mugging them off. Or just don't book the thing in the first place. I mean, Christ. Um, but there, there are some people speculating that Boris Johnson goes to Ukraine whenever shit gets real for him. Uh, there was some analysis done by uh, a journalist, Jane Merrick, and she looked at all the times when, for example, a public announcement has been made that Boris Johnson has had a phone call or a zoom conference or whatever with president Zelensky, or when he's made a surprise visit to ukraine and all of them seem to coincide with something bad happening for boris johnson um but you know be that as it may if this means we get more support for ukraine okay although i have my doubts on that i'm not gonna lie i, I really i really do <laughs>
Um, and it would just, it would just, you know, I'm just saying it would, it would be nice if, <laughs> if the, uh, if the defense secretary could actually get the name of an ally correct. I mean, <laughs> he's spent it, he's, he spent it, he spelled it wrong so many times. <laughs> I don't understand how, like, it's actually a pretty easy thing to spell, really, you know, I mean, I'm not great with my spelling, but I still, I still did it, and and he still left the tweets up, the tweets are still up, <laughs> and just below that thread is, you know, a, a tweet that actually spells Ukraine correctly from another person that he retweeted. So it's not like he can't see. <laughs> it's not like he can't see. <laughs> anyway, so Boris is in Ukraine. Shit's getting real at home. But I guess he'll deal with that when he gets back. I'm kidding. He won't. He'll just ignore it and tell everyone that we've all moved on or whatever. You know, regardless of what you say to him, he'll be like, we've moved on. We've moved on. <laughs> Oh, but Boris, the, the rail strikes. We've moved on. We've moved on. Boris, there's a cost of living crisis. We've moved on, actually. We, we've moved on. We've moved past it. We're getting on with the job. Right, so does the job involve fixing the cost of living crisis or, or maybe the rail strikes? Or, we've moved on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I've I've just been to Ukraine. Um, I, I, I don't read the newspapers, but you won't see anything about me in there. I'm so sorry. We've moved on. I've really got it. Okay, Boris, um... Could we could we maybe have a have a chat about <laughs> about your your candidates uh comparing previous MPs to Harold Shipman, maybe? Oh, cause that was a thing, by the way. Yeah, that was a thing. Boris Johnson's by-election woes continue. Um there is a by-election in Wakefield to replace Imran Ahmed Khan. Um, who is revolting and is now in prison for abusing a child. Um, put it in jail, I yelled, and thankfully the law obliged. Um, so there is a by-election to replace him. And the Conservative candidate, Nadim Ahmed, <laughs> oh my God, he was he was talking he was talking to uh journalist Tony Diver and he said this <laughs> He said that Imran Ahmed Khan was just one bad apple and that people should still back the conservatives because we still trust GPs after Harold Shipman killed 250 people So for those that that don't know maybe my listeners outside of the uk or just people that don't keep up with true crime i guess um harold shipman was a doctor uh, a gp um i believe that stands for a general practitioner uh, but i don't know because i'm not a doctor um <laughs> he was a doctor and he um he killed hundreds of his patients um it was horrific um, he was arrested, but I, I believe he, he took his own life before he could go to prison. Um, 
and actually face the consequences of what he'd done. Um, so Nadim Ahmed's argument here is, well, there was one GP who turned out to be a serial killer, but we didn't stop trusting doctors. Um, okay, here's the thing. You know what did happen, though? There were huge reforms across the health sector to make sure that things like that could never happen again. So we were able to trust doctors again because of the reforms put in place to make sure that none of them could do the same thing he did. So it's not it's not an equal comparison at all, because from what we can tell, there has been no effort from the Conservative Party to make sure that none of their candidates are horrible child abusers, you know, or... or fucking sexual criminals. In fact, a number of Conservative members of Parliament have been exposed for, for those exact crimes quite recently. So, no, no, <laughs> we don't have to back the Conservatives. We don't have to trust them. Um, additionally, the Conservative Party knew um, that Imran Ahmed Khan had been accused of child abuse his victim literally went to the Conservative Party and they still let him stand in the election that he won. So, no, the Conservative Party don't get to stand there and be like, oh, but you guys trusted doctors after Harold Shipman. Why can't you trust us? Don't be so mean. Like, nah, man. Nah, fuck that. Um, absolutely fucking not. Um, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous as a comparison. Um, and it just completely ignores the actual problem, which is you guys knew, your party knew, and you did nothing. How can anyone ever, ever trust you again? And why should we? And these are all the things that Boris Johnson's going to have to deal with when he gets back from Ukraine. So, you know... He'll probably, <laughs> he'll just be hanging out at the airport, like, I'm just, just waiting for my luggage, guys. Oh, just seen it go round again. I guess I'll have to wait some more. I'm just, I'm just gonna, yeah, I think I might just pop to the, to the shops and, you know, just have a little look, see everything's up to scratch. And then someone turns to him and says, you trying to delay going home, Prime Minister? No, I have no problems. I'm Boris Johnson. I live a good life. I just feel like he's just having a bad time right now. And that's good, because it's what he deserves. Oh, it's all kicking off in Scotland. But like, in a good way, in a good way. So, uh, <laughs> it has been announced this week that Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, plans to hold a second Scottish independence referendum in October 2023. So you know what that means. It means I need, <laughs> I need to get my ticket in, bitch. So look, if there are any, um, any girls from that side of the border and you are looking for love, Look, it will start as a visa marriage, but I'll love you unconditionally, I promise. I'm real good at, like, um, I can kind of cook. I can sew if I concentrate. Uh, I can clean stuff. Uh, 
I'll write you poems and shit. It'll be nice. It'll be a nice, wholesome little marriage, okay? Um, <laughs> just don't leave me here. I'm even willing to, you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but I'm even willing to, like, accept, like, men, but, like, if they're feminine enough that I could pretend that they were a woman, okay? So, my email's in the in the description. Hit me up. Let's get me a green card. Let's go. <laughs> so October 2023 is the date. Um, and there are some people losing their shit because they don't want this. Douglas Ross in particular looking very unhinged this week. He was out here like, I'll boycott it. I don't care. I don't want... <laughs> no. And it's like, well, what were you afraid of, boo? What frightened you about this? Oh, you scared you're going to lose? okay girl okay um there was <laughs> there's been a huge increase in like anti-scotland stories in some parts of the media i noticed this uh kind of this week and the weekend just just like a sudden rush of like scotland's really problematic oh my god this country is horrible and it's poor and they don't have anything and they have no skills and they're ugly and their makeup is terrible like very that and i was like mm, i wonder where this is happening <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> cute cute mm -hmm. they think that people are stupid like i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying um but you know what it looks pretty good it looks pretty fucking good um there has been a whole bunch of policy papers that are on the horizon and the first was released this week um, setting out the case for Scottish independence um, looking at you know there's going to be information that's going to be released on some of the things that in the last campaign were a bit of a weakness uh, for yes campaigners stuff about currency uh, debt deficit uh pensions welfare immigration and stuff like that um so it'll be exciting to see all of the information once it is available um i'm excited i can't lie i think this is gonna be really good um <laughs> it's fucking lit bitch it's fucking lit um you know what else is fucking lit eurovision bitch um and <laughs> Nicola Sturgeon decided to get herself ready and and um and be the stateswoman that we know she can be. So this week it was announced that um that we are looking at different options for next year's host for Eurovision. Ukraine won Eurovision this year, but it's unlikely they're going to be able to host it in Ukraine because of the war, which is really sad news, but obviously the, the the safety of the people of Ukraine is the most important thing and they need to be putting all of their resources into trying to stay safe and trying to push back the invasion. So we're now looking at the idea of the UK hosting Eurovision, right? And Nicola Sturgeon, she was straight in there. She said... <laughs> we wish Eurovision could be in Ukraine, but understand that in circumstances, this isn't possible. She pitched up and she was like, hey girl, <laughs> I heard you were looking for some stadiums for Eurovision. 
I got you, boo. You need arenas? I got you, boo. You need culture and hosts? I got you, boo. You need snacks? <laughs> Tell me, have you heard about shortbread, darling? I Listen, shortbread is the greatest thing in the world. I want you to know that. It really is. It's important to me on a spiritual level. <laughs> she was like, hey, baby girl, how you were looking for a Eurovision host? what's up welcome to my country where we have the Loch Ness monster and she's a fierce bitch um I, f- I feel like the Loch Ness monster is a girl sorry um anyway <laughs> the point is she was she was like hi let's do Eurovision mm, love that for us and you know what it feels correct because the UK's greatest winner was Lulu so it feels correct um but there were some people there were some people being haters you know and they were like oh she's attention seeking (laughs) no bitch no she's offering solutions she's doing the damn thing and she's working on trying to get something together big event it'll be cute it'll be nice for scotland's economy that's what a first minister is supposed to be doing bitch Maybe if the UK government wasn't so swallowed in scandal all the time, they could be doing shit like this too. But no. <laughs> Sad cringe. Um, anyways, so she was she was pitching. She was like, yes, hello. My name is Nicola Sturgeon and you can have your Eurovision in my country and it will be fabulous and very camp as Eurovision should always be. And we will give a lot of love and care and hugs of solidarity to the lovely people of Ukraine for sure um I was into it I would I would love that and I and it would be a Eurovision I could go to oh my god imagine me imagine me on the train up to Scotland to go to Eurovision just like feeling myself looking fabulous like yes bitch let's do it god let's do it and maybe Scottish woman into marrying me by that point and I can just fucking live there I'm just saying see this is another reason for Scottish women to marry me we can go to Eurovision together we can go let's fucking go right now anyway enough about me trying to get married uh (laughs) let's talk about the minor strike um (laughs) just just whiplash subject changes there um so this week uh in the Scottish parliament um there was a bill that passed unanimously, the Minor Strike Pardons Bill. Um, it provided a pardon for minors who were convicted of offences relating to the minor strike uh, between 1984 and 1985. Um, I think this is great. I really, really do. Um, and this, again, <laughs> I'm about to relate it back to independence, um, shows the kind of country that, that Scotland can be, you know, and... I think that's great. You know, it's it's reminiscent of uh, the efforts to put forward legislation for, you know, pardons and, and forgiveness for uh, LGBT people as well. And I, I think I think stuff like this is exactly what a forward thinking, fresh, beautiful little country should be doing. Love this for her. It's a rail strike, bitch. Let's go. Or not, because the trains are not running because of the strike. 
Um. <laughs> so there is a, a rail strike planned for uh, next week uh, across three days. Um, bro. So I feel like it is important to know, especially because a lot of people seem to be ignoring this. Um, it's the RMT union that is uh, proposing the strike uh, with their members walking out on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday next week. The RMT union does not generally represent train drivers. They are represented by a different union. There are a few train drivers that are a member of RMT, but the majority of their membership are other railway workers. Um, I'm going to be real with you. I don't know the technical names, so I'm just going to say what I see <laughs> in my memories of being on, on trains and things. Uh, so, for example, like the people that sell tickets... Um, you know, maintenance workers, people that keep the trains going in that regard. Um, those lovely people uh, that, that have the, the snack trolleys, I think. Um, I, only, I only see them when I go on like long train journeys, uh, like when I go, go up north or something. But uh, they're, they're nice. They're nice and they're lovely and they always smile and it's nice. Um, you know, the guards on the trains, uh, the staff at the station that help people to get places and stuff like that. Um, so these are the staff that, that we're talking about. Um, a lot of people are pointing out, oh, train drivers earn this much money. Meh, meh, meh. But the, the staff that are actually going on strike are not earning that much money. So it doesn't really matter what train drivers earn in the grand scheme of things. Um, but yes, we're, ha we're having a strike. That's a thing that's happening. Um and what have the government done about this? Uh, well, they've whinged about the Labour Party. Uh, they've whinged about train drivers, even though train drivers are not connected to the strike. Um, they've encouraged um, agency workers to replace the striking workers. And and they just they just whinged and complained and bitched and not actually done anything of value. So that's our government. Um, so apparently only about half of the UK's rail network will be open on strike days with very limited services on lines which are open. Um, network Rail um, has said that they were planning to hold more talks over the weekend. But from the looks of things, it hasn't gone anywhere um individual uh train firms have been told that they are not allowed to negotiate a pay deal with the union um so this was reported in the i um a, a source within a train operating company spoke to journalists and said that their hands were tied because they hadn't been given a full mandate in the talks and they'd been told that they could not discuss new pay deals um, so the, the government is basically stopping anything that could stop this strike. They keep saying they don't want this strike, but they won't allow individual train companies to make deals with the union and try and end the strike. So they do want the strike then. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like if, if you're, if you're holding back on a way that train companies could stop this strike, then we can only assume that you do want it. 
for some reason. I, I mean, I don't know why. I don't really want to. I don't really want a rail strike, but what I want is for for the workers to to have a fair deal, so that a strike is no longer necessary. Um, but the government apparently doesn't. So that's that's weird. So Grant Shapps, who's the transport secretary, um. And absolutely useless, I have to tell you. Uh, he has been all week uh, going to every single outlet and publication that will listen and whinging about trade unions and being like, oh, they're all dinosaurs, they're all horrible bastards and they just they just want to strike for fun and it's so unfair. Why won't they just drive the fucking trains? It's not about train drivers, Grant. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, he's just whinging and whining and saying, oh, the unions are terrible. Oh, the, the workers should just go to work. Oh, it's all it's fucking horrible. Just fucking go to work. Stop. Stop doing this. But he's made no effort to actually end this strike. He's just complaining. He's just complaining. He's not actually trying to end the fucking strike at all. And yet he's he's whining. He's saying, oh, it's the fucking Labour Party's fault. It's the union's fault. It's the workers' fault. It's fucking everybody's fault but mine. And it's like, bitch, did you forget that you're the fucking transport secretary? Did you fucking forget? Do something. Oh, fucking moron boy. Um... So he's whining, he's complaining, he's not really doing anything of value. Are we surprised? No, not at all. Um, because he just, he strikes me as just a fundamentally useless man. Um, are these rail strikes going to go ahead? Unfortunately, I think so. I mean, I'm low-key manifesting that a solution can be found before that. But I don't know. I, I, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um... But this, this is just proof, not that we even needed it, that our government is completely useless. They are, they are literally doing nothing. It's like, yes, go girl, give us nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. They are literally holding back the entire industry from negotiating properly. And, and then they'll complain and they'll be like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe you guys did a strike. What the fuck, guys? Oh my god, you did you, you just you just did it? Well yeah, you didn't do anything to stop it. Of course they did. Oh my god, I can't believe you would throw that back in my face. I knew you were gonna throw that back in my face. Wow. I'm feeling very attacked right now. It's it's pathetic, it's so childish and it's so stupid and it's so it's so them. So Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party and the leader of the opposition, has a request. He would like for people to stop calling him boring. Okay, Mark Darcy. Look, okay, look. Okay. There's nothing wrong with being boring, really. And in fact, compared to what we have in government, I'd take boring over that. Like, I'm not going to lie. So... Keir Starmer is uh, rumoured to be the person that the character of Mark Darcy from Bridget Jones Diary is based on. And Mark was infamously boring. Like, you know, he was some boring, 
uppity little bitch who at the beginning like he judged Bridget a little bit but then they got to know each other and they got all close and they fell in love and it was nice and it's like oh it's just nice for Bridget to have a nice boring human rights lawyer boyfriend instead of that scumbag Daniel um this is nice for her I'm happy for her you know oh she thinks he's having an affair of course of course he's not he's so boring and the woman that that Bridget thinks he's having an affair with actually a lesbian in love with Bridget. I can relate. I, I too am a lesbian in love with Bridget Jones. But like, anyway, the point is, Mark Darcy is a fan favorite character in that book because he's boring, he's dependable, he's reliable, and he's nice to Bridget. And he likes her just the way she is. Um, so that's fine. <laughs> that's fine, right? So I don't really see why Keir Starmer has a problem with it be boring. It's better to be boring than to be like some kind of manic, wild, unpredictable, slightly terrifying buffoon like Boris Johnson is. Like count your blessings that you're boring, babe. It's okay. Uh, but apparently he has urged the shadow cabinet to stop telling the press that he's boring. <laughs> um, so apparently, um, Um, the, the problem is, is that um, when when the press have asked members of the shadow cabinet about, you know, Keir Starmer, is he is he in scandals? Is he in trouble? What's going on with him? They just all reply saying he's he's boring. He's, he's, he's boring. And he has a problem with that. And that. <laughs> oh, honey. Honey, in a world like this, boring is the best fucking thing that you can be. Um, but according to a word cloud that was produced by a polling group, JL Partners, based on responses from a thousand voters when asked about Keir Starmer, they said boring was the most used word. <laughs> but maybe that's okay. Other prominent words used were bland, weak, but also honest. Huh? Let me go. Boris Johnson, his uh, most used words were liar, incompetent and buffoon. You see what I mean, Keir Starmer? Maybe being bo boring is not so bad. It, it could be worse. You could be a liar. You could be incompetent. You could be a buffoon. No, you get to be boring. And that's okay because at least they recognise that you're honest. And <laughs> that's better, right? Uh, speaking of someone that's not honest, uh, let's talk about Matt Hancock, the disgraced former health secretary and full-time midlife crisis. Um, so the government is currently trying to take its own transparency regulator to court at the taxpayer's expense to try and stop the release of messages between Matt Hancock and his advisor and lover that he had an affair with. So I'm paying for this gross man who was already being paid public wages and paying his lover with public wages to have an affair. And now I'm paying again to keep evidence of that affair a secret, even though I know it happened. 
I'd just like to remind you that we're in a cost of living crisis and there are huge amounts of people that the government have basically said, well, we can't really offer any more support. Sorry, there's no money. Um, and yet they've got money for this. They've got money for this. Wow. Okay. Um, you know who's got money? The BBC. And they are giving it to Liza Begum, who is a counsellor that has received £30,000 in libel damages after the BBC misidentified her as another politician from a minority ethnic background. The racism jumped out, really. Uh, so basically they confused her with Apsana Begum, who is a Labour MP, um, in a report where they were discussing uh, charges of fraud against Apsana Begum, who's now been cleared of those charges. Um, but in a news report, the BBC put up a picture of Liza Begum instead, despite the fact that both women look completely different. Like, this is the thing I never get when it comes to um, these incidents where, like, news platforms or whatever will put up a picture of a completely different ethnic person. Every single time, the two people look completely different. Like, completely fucking different. I, I just, I don't understand how this happens. I really, really fucking don't. Uh, but they, they ran her picture alongside this story. Um, and she sued them. And she fucking won. And good for her. Good for her. I, I support her 100%. Um... Get your money, sis. Get your money. If they're going to fucking lie on you, get your fucking money, girl. Um, so more more chaos with Boris Johnson because that, that, is, that is his life now. That's what he does. Um, so Boris Johnson suggested in an interview with ITV News that the UK could pull out of the European Convention on Human Rights to force through deportations to Rwanda. Um... Multiple things to point out here. Firstly, he had the audacity during this interview to be wearing a green heart badge, uh, which is in remembrance and awareness of the Grenfell Tower disaster. He also this week put up a tweet saying that his thoughts were with the victims and the survivors of the Grenfell Tower disaster. Um, if you don't know what that is, um, if you're outside the UK, um, it was basically... Um, there was a, a block of flats and a fire started and it spread through the entire thing incredibly quickly because of dangerous cladding on the building and because, frankly, the the fire safety stuff was, was just not good enough. And the residents have been trying to get help with that and get support and get changes made for years and have been ignored. Um, and then the government just sort of faked some crocodile tears and said oh we're really sorry uh but since then haven't really made much of an effort to help these people there are still people from the Grenfell Tower disaster who are waiting to be permanently rehoused um and the government recently um I did talk about it a couple of weeks ago they they are ignoring the recommendations from reports into the Grenfell Tower um and they're not putting them into law so for Boris Johnson to wear this badge and to then say his thoughts are with the victims and survivors it's just fucking audacious if you ask me so back to Rwanda so this week the government attempted uh to have the first flight sent to Rwanda 
uh, with detained asylum seekers on it. And it did not happen. Um, the flight did not take off because of legal challenges. Because basically, it's it's not a legally airtight policy. It's just not. Um, and now Boris Johnson is suggesting pulling out of the European Convention on Human Rights so that he can force through this policy that is costing a bunch of money. Nobody really wants it. It's cruel. It's ridiculous. It's illegal. But he wants to do it anyway. Get fucked. Um, what I will say on Rwanda, just quickly, I want to just make a point here real quick because it's something I've seen a lot um especially in the in the days surrounding the 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 attempts by the government to to get the flight off the ground there were quite a lot of delusional people i'm just going to say it who seemed to believe that the policy was being done to hurt their fucking feelings um you know there was a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, it's 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 an, it's an attempt to hurt us. It's an attempt to divide us. Oh, he's done this because people like me will be upset. Fuck off. No, no. This policy is happening because the UK government, it, it literally runs on racism and xenophobia. OK, not everything is about you fucking middle class white journalist who's very sensitive okay not everything is the government trying to get at you sometimes it's just racism sometimes it's just xenophobia okay it's not all about you it's it it, it really is about you actually um so just shut up just shut the fuck up <laughs> shut the fuck up man um so nadine white a journalist who's actually very good uh pointed out that the home office had already paid five hundred thousand pounds for the flight to rwanda that had just been cancelled due to last minute legal interventions half a million pounds wasted by the government while cost of living crisis grips the nation what a waste agreed um this is not <laughs> This this is not something the government is doing to, to get a Guardian columnists. They are doing it because they are just relentlessly addicted to racism. Like, that's what this is. <laughs> and journalists like Nadine White are pointing this out where a lot of her peers are failing. And so, shout out to her. Uh, <laughs> um, the UK government in more insanity... Uh, they are being taken to court by the European Union. Love this for us. Um, so the UK government has decided that even though they signed up to and made the Brexit deal, they don't want it to apply to them anymore because it's no longer convenient. Um, they believe that the Northern Ireland Protocol has disrupted trade between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. Oh, no. Who could have seen this coming? Oh, my God. Uh, so they <laughs> they are trying to uh change the deal um retroactively um they they agreed to the deal in the first place but now they want to change it and the european union has announced new legal action against the uk government to try and stop them scrapping parts of the post-brexit deal for northern ireland 
Well, I mean, maybe, maybe if you'd have actually focused, paid attention and tried to get a good deal at the time, this wouldn't be happening. Or, you know, maybe if you didn't Brexit at all, like, I, I don't know, man, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just so crazy. I'm full of crazy ideas. Um, I mean, this, this is where we are now. You know, last week we're being taken to court by the United Nations. This week it's the EU. The UK is just a supremely embarrassing place because the UK government are fucking stupid. Um, it is what it is. That's what we are now. We're, we're embarrassment island. Oh, dear. So that's why it's important that somebody from a certain place takes me away from all this by next October. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I am available as fuck. Okay, so I left this uh, until last because I needed to get all of my silly ridiculousness out because this is a serious thing and I want to talk about it with the seriousness it deserves. Um, I didn't want to be all goofy and shit as I normally am. So like I've got that out in the last like however many segments I did and now we're going to talk with some seriousness. Um, so I wanted to talk about Patrick Grady. Um and I felt it was important for me to do that for a number of reasons. Firstly, because I don't want to be a fucking hypocrite. I don't want to be the person that criticizes all the other parties for all of their shit, but isn't willing to do it for the party that I'm a member of. Um, if you if you didn't know, by the way, th this is this is uh, me telling you, but I I'm sure I've mentioned it like a ton of times before, but I I am actually a member of the SNP. Um, if you, if you wanted unbiased, uh, podcasts, go listen to the BBC, although depending on how you view things, that may not be unbiased either, but you know, it is what it is anyway, but I, I, I feel it's important, especially if you're in a party actually, to be open and honest when things like this happen and to talk about these problems and to say, you know what? we have to be better than this and we can and we can't just ignore it you know what I mean and I, I don't intend to do that with this but I did want to get all my nonsense out first so I could talk about this um properly because it is a serious thing and it is something that for me um I found deeply upsetting um and First and foremost, my thoughts are 100% with the victim, 100% nowhere else, you know. I feel like within this story, there are a number of people that have acted horribly and in ways that are frankly beneath them. And so I want to talk about that a bit. So who is Patrick Grady? Patrick Grady is uh, a member of parliament for the SNP um, and he... Uh, recently faced a two-day suspension from the House of Commons uh, over sexual misconduct and he gave a public apology. Now, this, in, in the initial, you know, kind of discussion, this bothered me a lot because two days is ridiculous. Um, 
there was some discussion um, about the fact that it was going to be a longer period of time. But because uh, the victim is alleged to have spoken to the press about what happened, the punishment was brought down, which is fucking stupid because why? <laughs> the, the misconduct is still the same as it was. Why is somebody punished less because the press found out about the fucked up horrible thing that they did? make it make sense it it doesn't fucking make sense but this is um this this is the the landscape that we're in in that victims of sexual misconduct are repeatedly punished in ways that their abusers never are um if you look at pretty much any any sexual misconduct case you'll see that there are so many obstacles that the victim has to get over just just to be taken seriously um and even then it's never enough there will always be these kind of attacks and knockbacks and all that and this you know if if it is true that that the punishment was brought down to a lower level because the the victim spoke to the press well then there we go same thing um so he was suspended from the house of commons um because the allegation was upheld um in an investigation um and then the recommendation was made he should be suspended so it was an event that happened in 2016 um the fact that it's taken this long to come to fruition i think is deeply concerning because again it's more obstacles that that victims have to to go through um, I do feel it's going to be safer for everybody involved when we can have a situation where, you know, these, these investigations and looking into things doesn't take forever. 2016 was an incredibly long time ago. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but like it was, you know, and, and it is concerning that it's taken until 2022 for anything really to, to have come of this. Um, Patrick Grady was also ordered to make a public apology in the chamber, um, and to privately apologise to the victim. Um, it's concerning, frankly, that, <laughs> that he had to be ordered to apologise. Like, I'll just say that. Um, so, this whole situation then got worse and it was it was already pretty bad because we had a a situation where a member of parliament and and you know they have huge influence you know that's that's the thing i i've i've met quite a few members of parliament from multiple different parties um and I've always had very, you know, nice and, and good interactions. Nothing untoward has happened. And that's great. But that's how it's supposed to be. So, frankly, nobody gets claps for that. Um, but because of their job and their position in our society, there is a, a, a power imbalance, you know. Um, and, you know, you, you will just naturally feel that they are in a position above you. That's just how you're going to feel. 
especially in this case where this was uh, a member of staff who was working for the party. So again, there's going to be that imbalance of power because, you know, this is one of your bosses. It's not just a member of parliament. It's also your boss, you know. And then on top of that, the victim was significantly younger um, than Patrick Grady. So again, that's that's three. That's three separate power imbalances right there. Um, so this was already a pretty fucking bad situation. Um, and so, you know, there are going to be some people and they're going to say, you know... Um, Is an unwanted sexual advance really that bad? And to those people, I would say this. Let's look back at those three power imbalances. Um, this is someone significantly older. This is someone in a position of power within the workplace. And this is somebody with a huge platform and a position of power just generally. So it becomes more than an unwanted sexual advance. If you know that this person potentially has the power to affect your career, if you know that this person has a huge platform, if you know that this person's older than you and, and you know, has all these connections that you don't have, you're just trying to get on in your career and they're, they're coming on to you and they're touching you and you don't know what to do. It's it's a lot more than, you know, the typical someone coming up to you and trying it on and you saying no. Um, it's it's a different landscape. I mean, frankly, me personally, I I I'm not a I'm not a great enjoyer of sexual advances, period, because I'm a traditionalist and I, I want someone to write me a letter, uh, rather than advance on me but that's just me um but you know so I wouldn't appreciate someone coming on to me at a bar anyway but if it was somebody that I was working with um somebody I worked for who also happened to be a fucking member of parliament who was decades older than me well that's a different story isn't it um you know and I will also say because I've I've seen some people and I know that because because it's our own party they don't want to they don't want to engage with this they don't want to believe it and 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 some people are also bringing up you know oh but you know this is happening in this other party and this is happening in this party and look i get that but don't don't you want for us to be better than this don't you want for us to be um prioritizing people's safety you know don't you want for us to be able to be proud of the fact that we take this kind of thing seriously and that we don't have a place for people that act this way who who use their power and their influence in this way don't you want for us to be better than the parties that we point at and we say that's horrible that's disgusting i don't want that don't you want for us to be better than that do you know what I mean? Like, it's all well and good to say, oh, well, look, you know, the Tories have got this going on. Labour's got this going on. The Liberals have got this. Don't we want to be better than that, though? What's the point in pointing at those things in those other parties if you're not going to look inwards and say, well, we need to make sure that we are never that party. We want to make sure that we are on top of things and making sure that this can't happen here. Do you know what I mean? Um... It's about wanting more for yourself and 
And self-respect, frankly, I, I want to be in a party that takes this shit seriously and and cares about um, protecting people and making sure these things don't happen. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's just what I would say. Um, so he didn't appeal against the decision. Patrick Grady did not appeal against the decision. Um, and the panel concluded an unwanted physical touching with sexual intent from a senior MP to a junior member of staff even on a single occasion, is a significant breach of the policy and must be marked by some period of suspension from the House. Um, they apparently took into account Patrick Grady's genuine remorse um, for his actions, that they were not repeated once rebuffed, and his efforts to address his behaviour since the incident. Um, so when he was talking about uh, the incident, when he was giving his apology... Um, There was uh there there was there was mention he he went on on training he's he's been on a journey um I have to say I don't firstly I think training and that kind of thing is a fucking scam you know it's the same as just you know any of those kind of you know I've done something really bad but I went on a training course and now it's all fine um, you get it a lot with, you know, public figures that have said something offensive or, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, some kind of sexual misconduct. And it's like, well, I've I've gone on a course and now I'm fine. I think that those courses are scams because, I mean, firstly, nobody should need to be told these things. It's actually not hard to not be a creep. Like, just talking in terms of sexual misconduct, it's actually incredibly easy. It, it Literally, it's just treat people how you want to be treated. Be respectful of people. Be nice. Be normal. It's it's really easy, actually. Um, so I don't really buy that people would need a training course to uh, do that. Um, and I imagine the sector makes a lot of money from people that have got themselves in situations and then gone on a course and then it goes away. You know what I mean? So it seems a bit like a kind of racket, if I'm honest. But he's been on a course he's been on a journey apparently um but god let me check something i'm about to i'm about to attempt to do some maths <laughs> and it's going to be messy because i'm dumb as hell um oh go on not him being an aquarius no i'm not having that he's kicked out of the aquariuses we're not having it mm -mm. no Oh, wait, what fucking year are we in? We're in 2022, right? Okay. So, hang on, hang on. I'm doing my maths. I'm doing my maths. Okay, so he would have been 36 at the time of the incident. My God, that took me a while. Um, <laughs> some of us are dumb, okay? That's just how it is. Anyway, so he was 20... See, no, I can't even... He was 36. There we go. I can't even read numbers. I can't even read numbers. So, he was 36 at the time um, of the incident. Um, also, looking him up on Wikipedia. It's, you know, it's not like this was, like, his first experience in the adult world. Um, he had been employed before. He was travelled. He was well-travelled. He'd lived in lots of places. 
Um, he'd, he'd even stood for election before he, he initially got elected. Um, he had a history of campaigning. Um, so... Basically, what I'm saying here is that he's not a fucking baby. He's not he's not new to the world. So I don't really understand why he would need someone to explain to him why when you are a, a powerful person with a lot of privilege and a lot of influence, why it's inappropriate to to just start touching people and and doing that shit. Why did he need this shit explaining to him? Now, I don't think that he actually did need it explaining to him. I, I, I think maybe he was just fucking playing dumb and being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that people don't like it when you act all creepy towards them. Because that's the only way out of this situation for him, to act like he didn't know, even though he did. Like, everybody knows this. It's just basic social skills um but i just i don't buy that excuse at all um i i i just interrupted myself for like five minutes there i was saying something before and then i started going in a different direction but my point is it got worse and this is a a disappointment personally i feel so there was some audio leaked. Um, and girl, if you engage with enough politics as I do, I, I could tell that it seems pretty authentic to me. Like I could recognise the voices. And so it was from a meeting um, in which there were, there were three MPs I could hear on the on the recording uh discussing rallying around in support for Patrick Grady as he returned to work after his suspension again i'm just saying don't we want to be better than this don't we are you telling me this man can't figure out the basics of adult life and we should still be supporting him? I would say no. I would say... Being a member of parliament is a kind of thing where, really, you should only get one shot and if you screw up, you're out. And I say this, and some people will think this is harsh, but I say this because it's a serious fucking job. You are you are given access to vulnerable people all the fucking time. Um, you are important in your community. You are their voice at Westminster, you know. You have incredibly important things you need to be doing, you need to be focusing on. And if you're going to fuck around, and if you're going to mess up and screw up, then I'm sorry, it's not for you. Sometimes, you know... I <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, right? Like, I've had friends ask me this. Um, I've even had some of you guys ask me. <laughs> you know, just email me and be like, hey, girl. You know, or DM me or something. I've had people ask me if I would ever ever stand for, for election. 
and sometimes I'll joke about it. I'll be like, yeah, I'll be really good. And I'll just kind of feel the fantasy for a second. But I would never seriously do it. Do you know why? Because it's a serious fucking job. And frankly, you know, I mean, I look, I, I don't have, you know, I don't have a history of misconduct. I, I don't, you know, I am as far as I know, sexually appropriate. Like I wouldn't, you know, proposition somebody or pressure somebody uh, or touch somebody or nothing like that. Um, I ain't never raped nobody. I, I can't catch me watching porn in the chamber because I don't even watch it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively unproblematic, uh, but I don't think that I would be suitable because I don't think that I could give constituents the best representative. I don't think I have it in me. And here's the problem that we have. There are a number of people that think they do. And some of them are right, by the way. Um, and not just in the SNP. I mean, there's a, a number of incredible members of parliament. Um, just incredible politicians that really deeply care and work so hard um as well as across other parties as well there are some people that are there for the right reasons and they do an incredible job however there are also a number of of mps and this again goes across all parties that have no fucking business being there they really really don't and in my opinion i would say Patrick Grady has now proven himself to be one of those people. This this happened. He was elected 2015. This happened 2016. I'm sorry, but you, you couldn't even go a year without this shit, really? Okay, okay. Well, listen. I I just I think frankly, I think it's fucking stupid that um Ian Blackford, as the Westminster leader for the SNP, has now essentially thrown away his reputation for Patrick Grady, who... I mean, if we look at the history of how MPs react to sexual misconduct and things, I'm not going to lie, he's probably going to resign at some point. Uh, I would imagine he's probably going to stand down at the next election um if he doesn't go before that so ian blackford has now just thrown away his reputation and a lot of the goodwill that he has earned over the last few years um as a prominent opposition politician and a great speaker he's just thrown that away for some guy that's probably going to stand down anyway and what for what for? You know, like I've said so many times when I've been talking about this, don't we want to be better than this? Don't we want better for ourselves? Not not even not even just for for the party, but just society in general. I mean, Christ. And and you know, let's think about you know, MPs don't just deal with, like, you know, <laughs> problems with buses and, you know, fucking disputes over gardens and shit like that. There are a number of people 
dealing with you know sexual harassment sexual abuse that may need to go to their mp for help and support and if you're somebody that heard your mp on that recording just going on and on and on about how there needs to be support uh for, for this guy who's been caught out sexually harassing people how are you going to feel how are you going to feel safe to go to them it's just i i don't understand why they would do this it's dumb as fuck and i'm mad about it i'm really genuinely fucking mad it's like why what was the reason it's um, there have been some people and they're defending it saying, you know, oh, well, he needs, you know, some kind of consideration too. You know, it's a difficult time. He's going to be humiliated. You know, we've got to take care of his mental health as well. Yada, yada, yada. No. He's a grown man. And... And no. And would you be saying that if it was someone from another party? Because me, I said no when it came to oh, protect the mental health of Tories that have been caught out harassing people and abusing people. I said that and I still stand by it. And I say it here with him. I do. That's how I fucking feel. That's how I fucking feel. Because... I want more. I want better for for this party. I do. Um, and I've been uh, Christ. I I've I've been a member longer than he's been elected. So, I guess I get to have my my thoughts and my feels. Uh, I, <laughs> I was actually thinking about it the other day. I got <laughs> just I've been here forever for so for so long. I, I'm uh, since uh, sort of. I think it's either late 2014 or early 2015. Um, it's been a long time. And so I, I feel I'm entitled to give my fucking thoughts, you know, and, and those are my fucking thoughts. I think that we need to be better and we need to confront this and not try and hide from it. I, I get it, you know, I, I get it. It is... It is fucking embarrassing to have to admit that you share a party with someone like that. I get it. I get it. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. I understand. But how are we... How are we ever going to be able to hold other parties to account if we can't do that shit with ourselves? Um, so... This this got a bit like internal and <laughs> and personal, I guess. But like you know, if if you wanted a view of this whole thing from a party member, there you go. Um, and if you if you want to know why I'm a member of that party, that's like a whole complicated thing. Um, and one day I'll do like a full episode on it. Um, But today is not that day because it's just not. But to give you the short version, if you ever wanted to know. Um, so I um, have um, always had a great interest in self-determination uh, because of my family heritage. Um, coming from places that were 
um, also interested in that. And so it's something I'm interested in personally. And also uh, just growing up, uh, living in England and being all ethnic and shit and not really feeling particularly welcome. And then seeing this cute little country up the road, just like doing doing things and living the best lives. And, and I was like, oh, God, let me just go up there and just like do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just it just kind of <laughs> it just kind of span out of control and suddenly I had uh as my granddad once put it run away to join the Scottish nationalists <laughs> I actually thought he was going to chuck me out of the house when he found out but it was fine it was fine um he was like as long as you're not a Tory I don't care and it's just a coincidence that like a year later I moved out. Like I moved out of my own volition. I didn't get kicked out. There is no like rift being caused by Nicola Sturgeon in my house and my family. It's fine. She, uh, the, the only rift she is causing is breaking up the UK and I'm here for it, bitch. Okay, babes, that's all for this week, but I'll catch you again next week with a brand new episode talking all the shit and getting down with all the gossip. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving me a good rating or review on whatever you're listening to this on, and I will catch you next time. Love you, bye. going on with this whole politics business. And the, the stuff about me paddleboarding, nonsense, the sea was actually closed, it was a, a red notice. When Kermit the Frog, Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. You remember that one? Russia should go away, should shut up. In China, that's a dodgy view. I don't know if you've been to Peppa Pig World. Who's been to Peppa Pig anybody who's been to Peppa Pig World? In December, I'll be in Beijing, opening up new pork markets. Like seriously, what the fuck?